will do anything to become the WWF champion. Anything. What the hell is this? It's a new champion. Stone Cold has sold his soul to Satan himself to win the WWF title. Someone tell me this is not happening. Stone Cold Steve Austin has sold his soul. Why, Steve? I don't owe you no explanation. I don't owe you people a damn thing. The Rock is trapped inside the cage with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mr. McMahon. Here comes the game, and he's got the sledgehammer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, A.L. Aaron Lloyd. I'm joined once again for another special quarantine bonus edition. I'm joined by my good friend, Jason Peralta. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Uh, like we talked about a few minutes ago, yeah, I'm still in this quarantine thing. It doesn't really affect me because I'm still working for the most part. You, got, you said you guys get slipped on the 5th, so... Hopefully, like, I want the best to happen now. I, I want everybody to be safe and be able to get haircuts and go to the gym. Those are the main two things I'm missing personally. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing okay during this time. Before we get started, I haven't heard your thoughts. I don't think I saw your thoughts either, but uh, it's probably old news right now. But what were your thoughts about WrestleMania? 
Ooh. I thought WrestleMania, for what it was, I thought it was, for me, I thought it was okay for what it was. You know? You know, like I, I've said on social media, the Boneyard match was probably the best match of the night, the two nights for me. I just loved it. The theatrics, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it was just great. Just the visuals, everything. Just take her. What were your, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the uh, Funhouse match? Because we, we all loved it for us. Uh, we had to watch it a couple times because for us it was like, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> like, what did I just watch? Same here, man. Like, I had to watch it a few times. It was fun, man, just seeing all that, just the random stuff. Cena coming out, NWO. You know, his, his first match with Kurt Angle, the attire. Mm-hmm. I know that he's mm-hmm. trying to go towards his, you know, from the start of his career mm-hmm. or whatnot. Same with Bray Wyatt, how it inter- intertwined. But you know, it was it was it was fun. I liked it. I liked it, it too. It definitely it, it was uh especially what now with WWE having to do the live shows with no crowd, you kinda they kinda had to take a risk and do things like that. Like I talked about it when we reviewed WrestleMania and Ron did too. It's wrestling could be so much more than just in a ring. It could be shot a different way. And for example, I'm not sure if you watch Lucha Underground, even though they have fans in attendance, it's still shot a different way. Even also, this happened after WrestleMania, but the whole Johnny Gargano Champa match on yeah, that yeah. on episode of NXT post WrestleMania that was shot in a unique way, in a theatrical way, even though there was no crowd. So WWE they have to do things differently, like especially with the Money in the Bank ladder match coming up, with the whole thing of climbing the corporate ladder and it's going to be at the Titan Tower. So I think it's a good idea for them to be actually shoot it a different way. Even when they get to the top of the building, it could be shot in a, in a unique way. So I'm interested to see what that goes. And uh, you have any thoughts on that too about the whole Money in the Bank ladder match possibilities of what it, how it can be shot or anything like that? Um, you know, I thought that. Yeah, I thought the, I thought doing a theatrical would be fine too. Um, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be like Mission Impossible type stuff, man. That's gonna be. <laughs> Yeah, especially it's gonna go down, yeah, especially on the top of a roof. I believe it's been filmed already, so I'm interested to see what it's going to pl- play out to be. Because also they have time to edit it and things like that, and add bells and whistles. So I'm actually excited to see where it looks, what it's going to look like in a couple yeah. of weeks. All right, so I don't think I said it yet, but we're reviewing Backlash 2001 today. And if you haven't been with us before, we'll play for you our rating system. The following podcast has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slobber knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings. It will get a show stopper. Thank you, Howard. So, if you're with us on YouTube, you did not hear the rating system, so... Jobber, slobber knocker, showstopper, showstopper being the highest rating. So, Jason, what were your thoughts on Backlash 2001? Overall, the way how it was, start to finish, I probably have to give it a slobber knocker. Really? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I give it a slobber knocker. I mean, there's the matches, the matches on the pay per view, the undercard was they were they were fine, they were great. There was a few of them that I absolutely there's one of them I absolutely liked. A couple of them that I thought was really fun. And then the main event, I felt, was a little too long. 
Okay. Now, one thing. One thing when I picked the show that I remember, were you watching at this time? I remember you said you faded out around the, oh, yeah. the summer. Yeah, so yeah, the first half I was watching in 01, and then that's when the invasion storylines happened. That's why I was kind of on and off. Okay, okay. So you so you do have some sort of memory with this. Okay. Because mm-hmm. after I brought it up to your attention, I was like, oh, I, think, I remember he said he stopped watching during the invasion. Or I'm not sure if this is when it started, because this was kind of almost in the middle of the year when it started. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to give it a showstopper because uh, upcoming this week, we're going to review Backlash 2004. And I don't know what came up. It came up. And I, I might have been messing around with some figures or whatever, I think. And I was like, oh, let, me watch, let me watch this match from Backlash 2001. And I was like, oh, man, this was actually really good. And since I have, we have some some extra time now, like, let, me, let, me, let me try to get Jason on here to do this. Cause I think this is actually a really fun show, but so I'm gonna give it a showstopper. I thought it was a lot of fun. The whole triple H stone cold dynamic. It was short lived, but I thought it was like actually excellent storytelling. The whole Chris Jericho, William Regal thing that should have been a, like, I'm not going to say it should have been a mess. The way it was created, it was specifically pinned for William Regal to succeed over Chris Jericho. So I had a lot of fun with that. Chris Jericho, um, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit definitely t- tore it up. No doubt that that followed their WrestleMania match from the month prior. And uh, just a couple small things, you know, Shane McMahon jumping off the top of the tie tron That was fun. And there's a couple things that were a bit underrated on this card. And I think we'll get into that in a little bit. And I hope you had the same feelings to some of it as I have. So I'm going to start. We'll start the show. So Backlash 2001 from the All-State Arena in Chicago, Illinois. We kick things off with the Dullies. Bubba Ray is spiking Devon against the X-Factor. Just incredible, X Pac and Albert. Now, just um, the X Factor. That was they were a short, um, short time together because Just Incredible he would end up leaving for the Alliance in July, and for the short period of time they were together, they actually got a pretty nice push here. And X Pac will win the light heavyweight title, and Albert will win the IC title both in in June. And I thought this was a good match here, a lot of fun. First time X Pac was actually a leader instead of a sidekick in a group, and. The X Factor gets the win here over the Dullies, but the Dullies are the last one standing, putting Justin Credible through a table at the end of the night. So, what were your thoughts on X Factor versus the Dullies? I thought the match was a great opener. You know, Dudley Boys curtain jerking. That was it was great, man. Um, Dudley's so over. You're in Chicago, hot wrestling city. Put those two together, you're gonna have great reactions no matter what. Um, I thought the one of the funny spots over there for me that I kind of got a chuckle out of was when uh, when Spike tried to give uh, Albert the Dudley dog. Mm-hmm. He got top halfway through the ring. Always. That, that, that would never. Yeah. That would never not pop me. <laughs> when, when, yeah, I, got, I got it. I got a chuckle out of that. And then um, you know Dudley boys, you know, giving the what's up. Mm-hmm. You know that was cool. And then uh, at the end, like even though you know they got the Dudley's lost, they got the you got double. Uh, Dudley, Bubba Ray got the the double super kick mm-hmm. yeah even though they lost i mean like hey at least we got what we got it was a, a 3d xbox going through the table yeah so, so, yes yeah so they got so they were actually the ones that who actually stood tall at the end and like i said they yeah. put x factor over huge at this time yeah. for the yeah. short amount of time they were together then exactly. we get a backstage segment with the Duchess of Queensberry arriving, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> William Regal is amazing <laughs> i love it, bro. Um, i love it. I, I thought the Duchess looked absolutely awful. My favorite part was yeah. Regal said, "Oh, you, you look you look absolutely ravishing tonight." I, that that killed because she looked god awful. 
And I, I loved William Regal at the time, too, when he was commissioner. He's super just straight-up comedy. Like, I loved William Regal at this time. That, that man, is, is he is a national treasure. He is amazing. Every time he's on the screen, he stole the, he stole the show from me. Every time. And he's a, a nice thread throughout the first hour or so throughout this show. And yeah. I remember when I was nine watching this saying, like, what the hell is the Duchess of Queensberry rules match? And But that was the whole point in, in which I enjoyed. So that transition yeah. to Kurt Angle being interviewed by Lillian about the ultimate submission match. And he's saying, there's nothing wrong with being confident. And 30 minutes is going to seem like a lifetime to Chris Benoit. And then we get a shot. Well, we get a, a, a promo for the hardcore title match. And we get a, pre, a recap from Sunday Night Heat, Jerry Lynn. Won the light heavyweight title on Sunday night. He from Crash Holly on his first night on the roster. That transitions to Raven and Rhino for the hardcore title. Raven was originally supposed to challenge Eddie Guerrero for the European title at this point, but he dropped the Eddie Guerrero would drop the title to Matt Hardy on the Go Home Show SmackDown. And then Christian goes to Regal's office saying he wants a European title match and just throw Raven a hardcore title match because he likes that stuff. So that's what led to the triple threat later on the night with Matt Hardy, Christian, and Eddie Guerrero. So what were your thoughts on this? Hardcore championship match between Rhino and Raven. Dude, this this hardcore match was actually fun. It really was. They got, you know, at first it was a little it was a little sluggish at first, but as soon as they gotten innovative with the weapons, that's when it started to pick up. Hot reactions from the crowd, especially I like the spot where Rhino got hit with the street signs and just the the just the just the the hit so loud echo through the arena and his ad. Everyone gasping like, "Oh, yeah!" Like I have that in my notes about the the um, the, the um, hits on the head with the stop with the street signs, and they, they were all unprotected, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you could see the the imprint of Rhino's head on all the signs. Yeah. Raven actually broke one completely in this match. Yeah. Continue. And then, man, and then what else? The uh, Rhino going for the gore, but goes straight into the uh, the shopping cart. And then Raven coming in with a kitchen sink and just smashing mm-hmm. it over. Boom, boom. I was just like, oh, damn. I, oh, just, you can feel the pain like on, his, on your head. And then Rhino coming back with the gore for the win. And that was fun. Eight minutes. That, they showed two ECW guys just showing their thing. That was a great amount of time for them to showcase what they can do in that hardcore match. I think that was the best hardcore match in the WWE I'm my glad, opinion. I'm glad you said that because that's in my notes, by the way, too. So yeah. it's not the be- I don't think it's the best, but it's actually up there because when they come out, when they come out, both Heyman puts both put, Heyman puts it over that both guys are former ECW champions and that they're proficient with their weaponry. And this is a, a a smart crowd. These are two ECW guys, and ironically, the people that the best hardcore champions, not the ones synonymous with it the most, but the best hardcore yeah. champions were ironically all ECW guys, and I'll give that to Rhino. Raven and RVD. So those are three CW guys, and like you and like you said, this was probably one of the best hardcore matches, hardcore title matches. The, the two I'll hold in high regard is RVD and Jeff Hardy from Invasion this year, and the right. other one would be also in 2001 would be Chris Jericho and RVD. So RVD, I think, is in two of the best hardcore matches or hardcore title matches that WWE's ever produced. And the crowd, you said the crowd was on fire on this match, and I'll always pop for Raven bringing the shopping cart of weapons down to the ring. And yeah. the gore came out of nowhere, but I do think this was an absolutely excellent match and one of the best hardcore championship matches that WWE actually ever produced. Without a doubt, man. 
Shane McMahon promo, who's in a, who was the owner of WCW at the time, and he's asked by Stephanie to ask him his dad for forgiveness. Then transition to Kevin Kelly. <laughs> he meets Stone Cold Steve Austin backstage, entering the arena, literally dragging Deborah. And when I tell you, this whiny heel Stone Cold is absolutely amazing. I remember as a kid, I hated him at this time. I'll get to that a little bit later, but I just enjoyed all of this. Especially with him yep. literally dragging Deborah into the arena, hooking her arm. <laughs> come on, come on. I love that. Any, what are your thoughts on this heel Stone Cold? Man, heel Stone Cold was heel Stone Cold was funny. Like even though like you're supposed to hate the guy, dude, everyone still loved him. I I still love Stone Cold. I didn't even care if he was heel. Like he was showing us some entertaining stuff. Like he was he was he was super funny. Yeah, because like like there, there's a clip from King of the Ring 2001 where Vince wasn't he told Austin he wasn't going to be there, and Vince is like, and Stone this has been like the rumor of of Jericho and Benoit defecting WCW. And he runs into Regal's office. He picks up the phone and he and he's, he calls Vince on Regal's phone. And he's like, he's like, Vince, it's Stone Cold. And Vince is like, who? And he's like, Vince, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, goddamn, War was first champion. It was, it was so great. This windy Stone Cold crying, the cowboy hat with angles of this Stone Cold was incredible in retrospect. As a kid, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate it for the comedy it was, but this was definitely amazing. Yeah. So late, a few seconds later, Coach would find the Duchess of Queensberry in a catering, trying to find out the rules of the Duchess of Queensberry rules match, and Regal then <laughs> runs Coach off, saying, get away from the Duchess, sunshine. And my God, like I said, William Regal throughout this first hour is amazing. Yes. Agreed. Comedy, man. That transitions to finally we get the Duchess of Queensberry rules match. William Regal versus Chris Jericho. Now, to set the scene up a little bit for you, Jericho would defeat William Regal at WrestleMania 17 to retain the IC title. Regal would then cost him the IC title, Triple H, the next week on SmackDown. This feud basically gave me one of my favorite segments on WWE history when uh, Jericho pissed in the tea <laughs> Regal's face after he drunk it because he was so upset and like ugh, like, it was, like it tasted a little nutty to him it was so it was so great and uh, what were your thoughts on well let me, let me go ahead so as uh, the thing i appreciate the most in this match even the referee didn't know the rules so the referee's just going as he goes so that i appreciate because this was i'm not going to say this wasn't su supposed to succeed or set up to succeed but it was. It was set up to succeed for William Regal, and that's what I could appreciate. And I thought this match was a lot of fun. What are your thoughts on the Duchess of Queensbury rules match? That match was actually uh, is very entertaining. It it had it had some of his comedy spots. Um, I do appreciate the the wrestling. The wrestling was solid, of course. William Regal, and Jericho, both great wrestlers. Um, it just makes you man. It also makes you think, man. You just forget this how great of a wrestler William Regal was, man. Or regular real William Regal is, like such a great wrestler. Just Imagine if he could have been you know, 2008, the time he got that big push, you know, like if he could have been in contended for the world title. But God, he was just so good. But yeah, the wrestling was solid. I really liked the uh, the spot where William Regal landed on the Duchess's crotch area. Yes. <laughs> and his reactions like, oh my God. Just grossed out. And when Jericho tossed her into the uh, into the ring, gave her the walls, that was, that was pretty fun and entertaining too. Uh, the match is the match is pretty. It's good for what it was. It was good. I liked yeah. it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So Jericho hits a lion salt, 
and he yeah. and the bell rings and Duchess calls for the bell immediately and says that's the end of round one. Jericho then locks in the walls of Jericho. Regal submits. Then the Duchess says there are no submissions in this match. Regal hits Jer- Jericho with the Duchess's scepter and the bell rings. And the Dutch says there's no disqualification in this match. <laughs> so, like you said, the highlight for me was Regal going into the Duchess's chest. That was great. But I thought this match was a lot of fun. Maybe one of the most fun matches I've ever seen just because of the whole dynamic of we don't know what the hell's going on here. And yeah. like I say, this was amazing. Absolutely amazing. It, it was, at the time, I was like, what the hell? But as a, an adult now, I'm just saying to myself, this is absolutely Amazing and perfect for William Regal specifically. All right. Big Show meets the Vince backstage and Vince asks him, just tell us, Show, just because he's my son, don't hold back and gives him an early congratulations. And before I forget from the Big Show, have you started watching the Big Show show? I actually have it. Really? I, I need to. It's, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a cheesy uh, sick family sitcom, like anything you'll see on television. But yeah, we've seen the Big Show on TV for almost what twenty five plus years. So there's a lot of fun. You, you you do see like the fun loving guy he actually is, and the kids are great. His kids in the show. His wife's great. I think a lot of the supporting characters are great. They even have a uh, Jaleel White Urkel in this, yeah, which, 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 which is a lot of fun. So I do think you should you should really check it out because I really did enjoy watching that show. I, I already finished it already. Definitely. Now, one of, one of the forgotten matches I forgot happened on this show, the 30-minute ultimate submission match between Curtis and Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit will get the win in overtime here. Now, these time limit matches are hard to pull off because there's a lot of times that you move, through the, you move through the motions and there's a lot of slow pace, and then the ending is always... They try to always make the ending climactic, where it's like, oh my God, is he going to tap or can he make the cover or whatever, but... I think they actually worked this one well. Like the first seven minutes of kind of filling each other out for the most part. A lot of good exchanges. And I think the process of Angle going up 3-1 actually helped this match a lot because Angle was actually working on Jer- on uh, Benoit's knee the entire time, knee and ankle the entire time after he went up to 3-1. So Angle goes up. Angle's first falls at 23 minutes and 27 seconds. Benoit's first falls at 21.56 with an arm breaker. Angle gets his second fall at 1941 with an ankle lock. And then Angle gets his third fall at 1855 with a crossface. Benoit gets his second with a half crab at, at 1155. And Benoit ties it up at three with two minutes and 10 seconds left with the ankle lock. What were your thoughts on this match? This right here, man, this is probably my favorite match of the, of the pay-per-view. Um, I've always, I like, I've always liked the technical wrestling. Um, it's just great, man. Storytelling on there is awesome. You have Benoit, you have Angle, both of them claiming that they're the best wrestler out there, you know. And yeah, what you, you said it well, man. The the first the beginning of the match, you know, getting feeling for each other, and then they started to build their way. I thought that um, Angle getting the big lead, the three to one lead, you know, that think that was uh, that was a pretty cool setup too, you know. It just makes you as the fan think, oh, my God, can Benoit catch up? Like, can he do this? Like, and he finally did, ties it up. Crowd was real invested. I like the I like the reactions from the crowd. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end, when Benoit got that, he got the got the win on overtime, dude, it was satisfying, man. I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was, it was fun. I loved everything. Um, even though they're trying to make it look real, you know, mm-hmm. make it look like a suit. 
it was it was still great for what it was. You know, I, I loved it. Now, the end had a bit of controversy, as you said. So, wow. Angle has the ankle lock. Benoit submits after the time expires. And then Benoit eventually went in overtime after the referee says overtime and his well, sudden death is going to take place. So, the next night on Raw, Angle would come out saying, due to the Olympic rules, well, in the Olympic rules, that if there's sudden death, it starts immediately after the clock expires. So Angle just make makes up in his head that he won. Which I didn't which I did yeah. enjoy. And that would lead to their two out of three falls match the next month at Judgment Day. And that's where the whole gold medals thing when Benoit stole Kurt Angle's gold medals thing would actually happen. So then we get we get we cut to Kane and Taker making their strategy. Stephanie McMahon and Triple H are actually watching them after that. Now the match that you, what's next is the match that we talked about briefly before we started the show. The last man standing match, Shane McMahon, the Big Show here. Shane tries to put Big Show to sleep. I get, I assume right away, uh-huh. and uh, Vince comes down with a steel chair, and as Shane's in trouble, Tess, who's one of his best friends at the time on TV, comes down and. Basically helps him throughout this entire match, and this they, the, the Big Show and Shane actually had a match the year prior at Judgment Day, which kind of mimics this for the most part because Tess basically helped in that entire match too. So there's not much here, but what this what this shows remember for is the whole Shane Man jumping off the top of the Backlash Titantron, which was always amazing because it was. The second time Shane never jumped off the top, but this time was the first time he actually did an elbow drop off the top. So I know you weren't fond of this match. So what were your thoughts on the last man standing match between the Big Show and Shane McMahon? Yeah, man, you pretty much said it right there, man. I mean, it's for me, it was just pretty much a Shane McMahon match. I wasn't really wasn't really gonna wasn't really gonna expect much. I mean, there were some spots that were like that were there were some spots that were like, oh, I got reaction with you know like that. That ether got a good crowd reaction. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then, you know, Tess coming, you know, Vince McMahon coming in, you know, taking over that stuff. I was like, oh, come on now. And then Tess coming in, I was like, oh, shit, you know, Tess, he's going to come in. He's going to get the help. Boom. He's going to got Big Show down. And then I was like, oh, just kept on dragging. And then that's when that spot happened. And that's when I jumped out my couch. I was like, oh, snap, man. He elbow drop off the, off the entrance stage. And then when Tess helping Shane, you know, with the win, with the camera, I'm just like, oh, it is, it's, it's whatever. I mean, that spot was the only thing that made the match for me. Yeah, and that's a that's a thing with a lot of Shane McMahon matches. He gives everybody, he basically sends everybody home happy for the most part. But a lot of these spots, especially early in his career, because he was the only person actually doing this at this point. And in 2001, this was actually pretty much new because nobody's really jumped off the top of the structure ever before. So after the match. We get a. It gets. It goes back to Vince, Shane, and Stephanie. And Vince is so mad. He's like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Vince, Vince tells Hunter and Stephanie that I now only have one son, and that is Triple H, which I did enjoy. Then we, yeah. We then go to the mecca of WWF New York, Steve Blackman, who I will always pop for when I see him on a TV show. I will always pop for Steve Blackman. He's in WWF. He's in WWF New York talking about the Shane McMahon jump in their match at SummerSlam where Shane McMahon fell off the top of the Italian tron. And his forgotten, he's also there with his forgotten tag team partner, Grandmaster Sexay at the time. <laughs> and Blackman, the perfect straight man. He was not having any of that. 
So then we go to the European Championship match. I said it earlier, the, earlier in the show, Matt Hardy versus Christian versus Eddie Guerrero here. Matt Hardy will win the title on SmackDown. And as I said, Christian talked himself into a championship match. Uh, Jason, when I tell you, well, me, I'm a Matt guy. I never cared for Jeff. I'm a Matt guy. So when Matt Hardy won the European title, I was ecstatic because, yeah, yeah. and then like when he would defend it, like I would watch, I would like watch his matches on the edge of my seat because I'm like, don't lose the title, don't lose the title. Because and then per- personally for me, it was like, okay, Matt has one up on Jeff, so yeah, keep that belt as long as you can. So I'm like, are you a Matt or Jeff guy? Uh, I don't know, man. Like honestly, with me, I I like them both. Okay, I'm not, okay, I like them both. Cause I. So I because I understand Jeff's always been the most popular one. I'm not going to deny that, but I've always been a Matt guy. And I always was so excited, the fact that Matt had that up on Jeff. And then Jeff would win the European title two years later. I'm like, oh, whatever. Matt did it first. Yeah. It doesn't, Matt did it first. It doesn't matter here. So there's a, there's not much here at all. Uh, Edge, Jeff, Lee, and the Radicals are all bar- barred from ringside. They'll get involved anyway. Matt eventually does retain the title with a twist of fate on Christian. Not much here, but do you have any thoughts on this triple threat match? It was basically used as a cooldown match, but do you have any thoughts? I thought, okay, I thought the match was, I thought the match was fun and exciting, energetic. I also felt that it was kind of rushed. Yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, they were because they were because basically this was like the cooldown match before the main yeah. event. Was, at this time, it was usually given to the women, but there weren't any women's matches on this card. So this is basically just uses the cooldown matchup before the main event. They didn't get, they didn't have much to work with here. I don't think either. So that's why I said I didn't really have much here. But this was Matt Hardy's first title defense on, well, first title defense in general as the European champion. It's yeah. time, it's time for the main event now. Triple H and Stone Cold versus the Undertaker and Kane. All the titles are on the line here. Set up the scene. Then after WrestleMania, Triple H would join Austin McMahon. They were attacked. After they attacked The Rock, riding The Rock up television. And Triple H will win the IC title on the next episode of SmackDown. On the April eighth, on April 16th episode, during an attack on the Hardys and Lita, the Undertaker and Kane come down to help the Hardys and Lita. Regal then tells Taker and Kane on the, four, on the April 19th episode of SmackDown, they can get their match with, with Austin and Triple H if they beat Adrian Christian for the tag titles, which they successfully do. Now, as a Triple H mark, I was cheering so hard for the Undertaker and Kane. I wanted them to have all the titles. <laughs> I didn't care. At the time, for me, this was the first time it happened to my knowledge as a nine-year-old at the time. But I wanted Undertaker and Kane to win so bad. I wanted them to have all the titles. I didn't care. Like, I, Triple H, I hate Stone Cold now. Triple H, he's okay. But I want I want that image of Taker and Kane holding yeah. the titles up. Especially because they did it to end, um, the SmackDown prior to end the show hold, holding up all the titles. So what were your thoughts on this? Tag team title, all titles on a line match. Um. Okay. So yeah, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the match. I re- I enjoyed the match. Um. You knew like when when the two pan power chip was stalling in the beginning, you knew you were gonna be in for a long match. <laughs> it was it was gonna be a long match. Um. You know, I like some of the I like some of the work that those guys put in. Some of the spots they did. Um. Let's see. I felt and and then I felt towards the end of the towards the end of the match, uh, I felt that's when it started to get that little bit overbooked. That's a lot of a lot of shenanigans happening. 
Um, but I enjoyed it. The highlight of that match for me was when Stephanie got big booted by Kane. <laughs> <laughs> On that, and when Earl Hebner earlier pushed uh, Stephanie off the ring. Oh God. <laughs> Two, I don't know if you noticed. Two I don't know if you noticed, but I, I hate Earl Hebner. I don't know if you noticed, but I hate Earl Hebner. I can't stand oh. the guy. <laughs> I think he's horrible. I, I've always, I've always had, but, uh, yeah. but yeah. So the big thing in this match was Kane's elbow, which they actually would. This would actually be a big story for the duration of this whole storyline that would yeah. end the next month after Judgment Day. But the entire match, Triple H and Austin, they're working the elbow that. The elbow is basically the ent- a target the entire match. And as you said, Kane does give Stephanie the big boot. And then that forces Vince McMahon to come down, who has a sledgehammer in his hand. Kane goes to choke Sam Vince. Austin hand- Vince hands Triple H the sledgehammer. Um, Triple H hits the sledgehammer on Kane's injured elbow and hits the pedigree. And, that- and we have new tag team champions, Stone Cold and Triple H. What were your thoughts on the whole two-man power trip angle? Because I thought this was actually something really new and creative. And also at the same time, I'm not sure what would have came of this because of the whole Triple H injury with his quad in the month, the, um, the following month. So I'm not sure what we would have ever got out of this, especially with the whole inv- invasion angle going. I know Bruce Prichard talked about the eventual thing they were going to do in this entire thing was turn Triple H face. But this invasion yeah. angle, that was actually... Uh, not quite in the works yet as when Triple H did get hurt. So I'm interested to see what Triple H would have been doing if the Alliance thing had actually still did happen and the whole idea yeah. of trying Triple H face against Austin. I thought that would have been a lot of fun. What were your thoughts on the two-man power trip? I thought that was, uh, yeah, I thought that was, uh, even though they were randomly put together, I thought it was, I thought they were fun, fun tag team. Uh, you know, it just, Triple H paired up with Stone Cold, the biggest star in the WWE at the time, man. You know, that's, it's great, man. It was. I thought it was fun, and yeah, man. About the about Triple H's injury, that was unfortunate. I really do was interested in wanting to see what would happen, but you already know. Like during the summer, I was kind of on and off, so mm-hmm. I really don't know what to what to uh, expect or think. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's one of those interest. It's one of those things where you kind of just wonder because it's like, it's like, God, wait, where could they actually going from here? And especially with Triple H, especially if he was around with the Alliance stuff, you know, the WCW Alliance roster wasn't stacked as they thought it would be. And then they had Stephanie own ECW would have Triple H, uh, teamed up with the Alliance I mean, because Stephanie was the, uh, the, uh, leader of East, well, the owner of ECW. So that's interesting to see, like, would he decided with Stephanie and join ECW? So it's a lot of interesting things that, we don't have answers to, and we probably never will because that wasn't really the idea when Triple H actually went down and got injured. So that's an interesting thing to actually think about. So right. any other thoughts about Backlash 2001? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I guess I, like, I, I thought the pay-per-view overall, I thought that was a, I thought overall for me personally, it was a slobber knocker. Um, I just felt like maybe if they, uh, some matches, especially the main event, if they trimmed it down a little bit, maybe, maybe, Maybe maybe I say like if they gave it a maybe like a if they shut it down like maybe like ten to twelve minutes give it like a seventeen minute eighteen minute match I think that would have been would work right worked well uh, that would have been more reasonable for it and then I felt like the uh, I felt that European triple threat if they gave it at least ten and let them showcase even more mm-hmm. then I felt I felt like that could have worked too. But overall, man, it was it was still it was an enjoyable pay per view after a pay per view I haven't seen in years. You know, 
Mm-hmm. So I think this was a good pay per view. Yeah, it was it was a good shot. I really did enjoy it. And um, like I said, I'm glad I got a chance to review it. So I want to thank you for taking the time out to actually doing this with me. And I, I really had a good time talking about this and rewatching it. So is there anything else you want to talk about wrestling wise or just in general? Oh man. Um, let's see. What is going on right now? Honestly, like I have to, I haven't been watching AEW. I need to catch up on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've um, like when we, we we switch our recording days back to Wednesday now. So when I'm recording, yeah. I keep it in the background. But a lot, but a lot, but it. I think a lot of it's like, they're still doing double or nothing. So yeah. I know they have this big TNT Championship thing tournament going on right now. And yeah, that's not her. That's the whole Jake the Snake debut in a few, about a month or so ago, I thought it was good, but there's not, it's, it's similar to WWE. It's, it's, it's kind of a lot, a little harder to actually watch. I appreciate them actually putting on these shows and absolutely and, and, like, and sacrificing their own safety, but it's, it's not the same, especially for AEW, which is supposed to be more for the, for the hardcore fan. Now, Grant, they are putting on some great matches and Cody's yeah. been, Cody's been killing it on commentary with Tony Schiavone. Oh yeah. And, but it's just it's just something missing in these empty arena shows. Even though AEW attempts to have like some of their wrestlers in the crowd, which is which is actually really fun to see yeah. what they're doing. Like, so, like, I forgot. I remember one week they were taking bets, <laughs> yeah. bets in the uh, in the crowd and stuff like that. So I do appreciate them putting on the shows, but a lot of this wrestling is it's just hard to watch without a crowd, especially WrestleMania. Because I thought some of the WrestleMania matches, specifically Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, I thought I thought that needed a crowd. Especially yes, like, yeah, especially like, like the the million dollar entrances that they actually put out for WrestleMania. So I thought matches like that actually needed the live audience. Right. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. All I know is this screwed is COVID, man. <laughs> it ruined everyone's lives. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I I just need a haircut or go to the gym because I, I I might have braids in a week for for for, for, <laughs> for all I know, but uh. So that's all you got for me, Jason. So this upcoming week on Matt Madness, we got Backlash 2004. And then the month of May is basically reviews and previews because we have Money in the Bank coming up. So we got a preview and review for that. And then we have the Double and Nothing, and that's still coming on review and preview. And I think I said next week is a Backlash. Yes, I did say next week is a Backlash 2004. So, Jason, where can the people find you, buddy? Uh, you can find me at Instagram. If you're interested in your Power Rangers, Transformers, or Marvel stuff, you can check me out on Instagram at Jason Peralta Toys. I also have a separate account for my wrestling content at Jason Peralta Toys Wrestling. And if you're on YouTube, you can find me there on YouTube doing toy reviews. Same thing, Jason Peralta Toys. This time, I review all Power Rangers, Transformers, Marvel, and wrestling all in one channel. So, yeah, check me out, man. That would greatly appreciate that. All right. So... Plugs, let's plug some stuff. So if you're looking for wrestling figures, including you, Jason, uh, Ringside Collectibles, use promo code MMADNESS for 10% off your order. Whatamaneuver.net for your wrestling, for your Matt Madness gear, and for your MMA, for your favorite MMA podcast, your boy Elroy, go to teespring.com slash your boy Elroy. And that's it for the show. I'm Alo Aaron Lloyd for Jason Peralta of Toys. We'll see you next week. Hop on the top rope by the land with elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle.
tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't shake the land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.